0: This is the game plan episode. I'm going to go over what I believe the 49ers' offensive and defensive game plan is going to be against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I've been breaking down their film from the game versus Denver. I've looked at their coordinators, looked at their coaches, and how they're approaching attacking different teams because of personnel. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? It's been a lot of fun. In fact, if you want to get a full breakdown of the film of Seattle versus Denver and how the 49ers could attack them, head on over to Patreon. It's available there, the Scouting Report episode. So if you're looking for extra content, you can find it over on Patreon. Of course, there's a lot of other things as well, but the Scouting Report video is up and live. So check that out. Now, as far as the game plan goes for the 49ers, understanding who the coordinators are is very important. The coaching staff that Pete Carroll has put together is gonna give you a really good idea about how they're going to approach scheme. That's one of the most important things. And one of the things I always point out in those videos understanding who you're going against is one of the most important things if you don't understand who you're going against you're not going to understand tendencies understand philosophy and you're just going to go out there and chase ghosts you're going to chase plays it's not about plays it's about how you handle formations and scheme and execution that's what it's about and that's what Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff are trying to do figure out the things Seattle does really well and couple that with the personnel that they have And then you look at your own team and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. And then you use those to your advantage. Uh, You try to mask your weaknesses and use their strengths. Now, if one of their strengths uh, matches one of your weaknesses, you have to figure something out. A lot of that goes into scheme. A lot of that goes into uh, potentially changing the way you approach the game. So finding angles that you can approach and attack a team is one of the major goals you have to have as a coach. That was one of the funnest things I got to do when I game planned was figure out how I'm going to attack the other team. Figuring out what their strengths and weaknesses are is usually pretty easy. But figuring out how you're going to attack it, number one, so they don't know that you know that's their weakness early on in the football game. And then a variety of ways that you can do it. How many times can I run the same play but make it look different so you don't understand that I'm attacking your weaknesses? And once they do uh, correct, which they always do, especially in the NFL, what will I do next? Making sure you're thinking ahead of the game. It's chess. It's not checkers. Thinking ahead of the game, and that's what this coaching staff is trying to do. But understanding who these coaches are is very important. Number one, the Seattle Seahawks have a new defensive coordinator. Clint Hurt is the defensive coordinator this year. And all you have to do is look at Pete Carroll to understand who Clint Hurt is. He does things the way Pete Carroll wants him to do. He's been on the coaching staff for a while. He's been assistant head coach since 2018. Him taking over as defensive coordinator is no surprise Because Pete Carroll was going back to what Pete Carroll does. He's getting away from what Ken Norton Jr. was doing, and now he's going back to what he did at USC. He wants these guys that attack off the edge with speed, that force a quarterback to have to step up, put pressure on the quarterback continuously, and then he wants to put pressure interiorly uh, with that defensive line to be able to press you back. That's how Pete Carroll went about it. If you think about the old USC games and days, you're thinking about guys like Clay Matthews, And Brian Cushing, who are both good NFL players as well. But that's how Pete Carroll approached it. I watched so much USC, very familiar with Pete Carroll's aggressive style. And that's what they're going to employ. And that's what I saw against the Denver Broncos. They employed that style. They're aggressive. They blitzed. They put pressure on Russell Wilson to make plays. Sometimes Russ did. Sometimes he didn't. But he had opportunities to make plays. Because anytime you blitz, you leave a void in your defense somewhere. So an aggressive style but it's a way to speed up the internal clock of the quarterback. That's exactly what Pete Carroll likes to do, and that's what Clint Hurt is trying to do as a defensive coordinator. So the aggressiveness is going to come from your defense. You flip over to the offensive side of the ball with Shane Waldron, and it's completely different. The way that Pete Carroll approaches offense is also how Shane Waldron has been approaching offense. Of course, he comes from the Sean McVay tree of coaches. He's a guy that was in Washington Uh, with Jay Gruden. So that's kind of his basis and where he comes from. You're going to see a lot of unbalanced lines. They're trying to get numbers, the extra tight ends, three tight ends to the right. They're going to count the numbers. If you don't adjust enough with the defenders moving over half a man, they'll run strong side and they'll try to get lanes and avenues to be able to run the football because they really don't have the personnel to be able to man up and beat you. They have to make sure they outnumber you on one side of the football. Now, That is a good philosophy to have. Lots of coaches go with this. It's basic football, right? If I have more guys on one side than you, or I have more guys in the box than you do, I have a better opportunity to be successful in the play. That's what they do. What they do, though, is once you do correct, then they'll run weak side. And all you are is one guy uh, from missing a tackle away from a big play, which I saw against Denver. Linebackers and safeties who had opportunities to fill in the hole and able to stop Rashad Penny uh it, it was it was missed tackles and he was getting gains off of that. So when you're looking at the way that they attack it, uh Waldron also wants to protect the football. Of course, if you have an aggressive style defense and a defensive head coach who believes that the best way to stop a team is through defense, then you're gonna have an offensive coordinator who wants to put an emphasis on running the football, which means limiting offensive snaps for the opposing team, and protecting the football, which is something that Waldron does as well. So these guys, that's how they approach it. That's how they're going to get after it. So let's talk about the ways that the 49ers can attack the Seattle Seahawks. Now, first off, let's go with the 49ers offense this time. Last time I let off with the defense. Let's go with the offense this time. Right away, those edge rushers in this 3-4, those outside linebackers that come up to the line of scrimmage, they want to move with great haste up the field. They're very fast. Uh, they get up the field. They fly down the line of scrimmage. They take chances. They take opportunities to go ahead and make plays. But that also leaves an a opportunity for an offense to attack. Anytime those guys fly upfield, if you can go ahead and make the block on the defensive tackle on the inside, you're going to create a natural lane. That lane, as that defender comes upfield and that tackle stays put, becomes pretty huge. You throw in the fact you have a running quarterback like Trey Lance, and now all of a sudden those guys have to think as well. Getting those guys out of position is going to be something the Forty Yards can do. The Denver Broncos took advantage of plays on the outside a lot. When that edge rusher was at flying upfield, they were going inside of him and then back out. That is something the 49ers can do as well. Attacking that edge is going to be key in this game. Seattle is probably going to employ five guys on the line of scrimmage. Three interior defensive linemen with, of course, the two linebackers on the outside. Those guys get pretty wide. They're going to allow these bubbles in the offense where the 49ers can attack. You just have to execute your blocks. Problem is the 49ers did not execute those blocks against Chicago. So knowing where you're going to attack is one thing. Being able to do it is another. But one of the ways you want to do it is make sure you have specific blockers handling those situations. You would love for George Kittle to be able to be out there and be the point man on the edge and make those blocks. That probably won't happen. But one thing you can take advantage of is is those edge rushers don't pay attention to the surroundings a lot. So you can cheat a wide receiver like Jawan Jennings in, have his split from the offensive tackle be lesser than normal, and have him come down on that defensive end like Taylor, uh, block him down. He wasn't paying attention a lot, and he was getting kicked inside by Sutton. Those are plays that you can get. Then when you run the pitch play around the outside, you know you have Kyle Juszczyk leading the way, and he can make a play. If you pull Mike McGlinchey as well, and you're able to get that tackle frozen with a read option type look, uh, it can do a lot of things for you. But running the pitch is important. Get that guy down, get around the outside where a Kyle Juszczyk can go ahead and make a block on the second level. There are avenues to attack, and outside is the way to go early. If the Seahawks continue to employ that five-man front, once you do that, you know that they have two linebackers on the inside. Those two linebackers in the, on the inside are enough inside that you have lanes to be able to get to them you want to go ahead and reach block with guards on those tackles, you can get your offensive tackles to the second level and be able to secure them. Plays to the outside are open. You can leave a nose tackle unblocked on the interior if you pitch the ball out with great haste. Doing so means you have the numbers. Get your center Jake Brendel up to the other linebacker. Make it so you can get on these guys and make it difficult for them to be able to help in the run game. So stretching the Seattle Seahawks horizontally is something the 49ers can definitely do. Once they stretch to the point where uh, they're stretched too far, then you're going to have interior lanes where you can attack in that C-gap. The C-gap is between the guard and tackle. That'll be available. The D-gap, if there's a tight end right there, those are approaches you can definitely have. Uh, I'm sorry, between the tackle and and tight end is the C-gap. My apologies. Uh, So that's where you can attack, and that's going to be a bubble in this defense the way that they approach it. So the 49ers need to take advantage of this run game. Now my questions for the 49ers offense is, and Jeff Wilson Jr., Jordan Mason, and TDP be able to attack those lanes because of speed. You need to have enough speed to get out there. Do the 49ers have enough speed at the running back position? That's something that needs to be answered. Debo Samuel does, but how many carries do you want to give Debo Samuel as a traditional running back? I'm not sure there's that many that you want to. So the 49 are going to have to find some give and take. Now, one thing that can also help this run game, and notice the focus is on the run game because the 49ers still want to run the ball 35 times in this game is using Trey Lance to freeze those guys on the edge as well. So part of the reason you have the five guys on the line of scrimmage is to help stop the outside zone, but it's also to help stop the boot plays from happening. Because if you run a boot play and you have that outside linebacker there, it's hard for the offense to be able to account for him when they wash and work their way down. That guy has freedom to be able to stay outside on your quarterback. So knowing that that's going to happen, you can take advantage of that. So when you run those run plays now to the other side, that edge rusher is staying home. If he doesn't squeeze down with that tight end or a tackle that vacates, it's going to leave leave huge lanes for them to be able to run. So a play action where Trey even boots out will freeze that guy or freeze a corner, which they were blitzing a lot against Denver, and that's going to give you those runs. So look for those cutback lanes to develop. He's running to the left. And it's going to open up to the right because you freeze that edge rusher. The linebackers have to commit to stopping the run. They have to. If they don't, they're going to be outman. They're going to be defeated by this 49ers offensive line. So it puts a lot of pressure on these edge guys. And with their aggressive nature, sometimes they're just going to absolutely miss. And that leaves you opportunities for big plays. So that is the weakness of the Seahawks defense right there in the run game. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of those edge rushers' aggressiveness The style in which they play, and overall alignment against the 49ers. As far as the pass goes, because of the aggressive nature in which these linebackers play, you can catch them cheating up. They will fly up. So when you get play-action passes, you can locate Kyle Juszczyk and whoever your tight end is, whether that's Tyler Croft, George Kittle, or whoever, down the field for plays. There were big plays available for for the Denver Broncos. They didn't always execute, uh, but they had guys open. Also, you throw in the fact Jamal Adams isn't going to be playing. But Jamal Adams not playing is one less guy. You have to worry about doing big time things in the box. He was helping in the run game, but also helping take away some of the tight ends and things over the middle. He's gone. Going to have to make some adjustments there. So RPO is a part of this game as well. The way these linebackers move and the defensive alignment up front means there's going to be clear avenues to be able to get the ball. Anytime you go to a, a three receiver set and you're in a base look, and you get a linebacker like Jordan Brooks matched up on the outside, or Cody Barton, you have an advantage. What you want to do with the tight end or fullback in that situation is up to you. But if you run a play action off of that, you're going to make that guy's eyes go inside, and you're going to have an advantage there in an RPO. I think those are big-time advantages for the 49ers. We've seen the 49ers take advantage of this before, putting Kyle Yuschek out wide and letting him go down the field because of Pete Carroll's stubbornness to stay in his base set against base looks he goes to a nickel, you outmatch them in the run game. So it's one of those things where Pete's caught in a pickle. How does he figure it out? That's one of the things the 49ers can attack. And then the last one I'm going to get into is Tariq Woolen, the young rookie corner. Uh, yeah, he's fast. He's big. He's physical. He's going to be a player in this league, but not yet. He's grabby. Uh, a lot of times his eyes are undisciplined. He loses his, his space in zone, with Seattle runs so much zone. So, I think the 49ers can take advantage of Woolen. They can get his eyes going into the backfield. They can run some of their rub concepts, some of the things that they like to do, get somebody going downfield, have someone to break off, and they'll have separation. Trey Lance can throw in rhythm. He can get the ball out to these guys, and they can make some plays. So, those are areas to attack the Seattle Seahawks on offense, on defense. It's all about stopping this run game. Seattle, like I said, it's pretty basic. They want to get to the numbers, they're going to run diamond formation. That means they've got two running backs in the pistol next to quarterback. uh, And then they got a running back behind him. So Geno Smith is leading the charge, but he can run some read option stuff off that, which they did. Travis Homer going in front, running behind the lead blocker with Geno Smith running to the outside with Penny. Those are things they can definitely do. That doesn't stress the defense very much. The 49ers are used to playing against that style of offense because they see it with Trey Lance running read option in practice. That's not going to be where the strain is. The strain is going to be making sure you can stop them when they load up with the extra tight ends. Because another thing they like to do off of that, yeah, they have an overloaded side. If you adjust too much, they run behind it. And then also, they like to motion one of those tight ends, get your attention going one way, and then run a play action pass where they run a flood. Flood means they put more guys in the zone than you're going to be able, capable of blocking. Uh, normally, you would say three guys flood a zone. You have somebody that go short, intermediate and long and you get a levels concept the seahawks didn't do that they put five eligible guys in one area and then geno smith just located someone it didn't work out uh with a big gain but it just shows what the seahawks are about they're about short gains if you have a third and two situation they will go to the short guy geno smith will look for the guy right away to get the ball they're stick movers they want to get first downs that's what they're about they're not about explosives right now Everything that was happening in the first half for the Seattle Seahawks was underneath stop routes. Denver Broncos were playing off. They were playing two deep safeties. They were playing everything underneath, and Geno Smith was able to get the ball out. As the Denver Broncos started to adjust and started squatting on those short routes, the offense for Seattle sputtered. They weren't able to get the the ball moved down the field. They weren't taking the shots to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett that we saw from Russell Wilson. That is not a big part of their game. And when Geno Smith had opportunities to beat the zone and absolutely rip one down the field, he didn't do it. He had a nice window a couple of times where he was in right past the corner and in front of the safety. And when you're in that cover two, if you rip that football, that's going to be a big time gain. Wasn't willing to take those chances. And it showed because they didn't score in the second half. So there is a blueprint already for the way the 49ers can approach it. Now, Right away, if the 49ers can put pressure on Geno Smith rushing four and be able to leave seven in coverage, they are going to put tremendous pressure on him. He does not decipher coverage as well as a lot of quarterbacks in this league. Definitely hesitates. If you run a shell coverage, which means you show something else. You show a a two-look, you know, that means two deep safeties, and then you bring someone up like a robber concept like Talano Hufanga ran uh, that got the interception against Justin Fields. Eno Smith will hesitate. He doesn't trust his eyes always to make that read. And if his first read is not available, that's when it starts getting interesting. He starts getting happy feet. He starts looking around. He wants to go back to that guy most of the time. Four going would have opportunities for turnovers and because of that hesitation, opportunities for sacks. So it's all about bringing pressure with four, being able to stop the run with seven guys in the box. You don't have to commit an eighth guy and you can keep a second safety floating around, whether that is in the deep half or also playing on those robber plays over the middle, those are going to be opportunities to take advantage of Geno Smith. So I'm curious how they're able to do it. If they have to bring five guys on the line of scrimmage to stop this run game, they definitely can because they don't have to worry about Geno taking those shots. Now, one of the key matchups in this game, of course, is going to be Samuel Womack in the slot against Tyler Lockett. Uh, Womack needs to be able to win more times than he loses. I fully expect them to protect him. And also for the 49ers to not stay in base personnel and get matched up with a DK Metcalf on a Dre Greenlaw or a Zizal Shire. Those are matchup issues. Denver Broncos got caught in a similar situation with Bradley Chubb out there. That's not what you want. You get stuck in those situations and you're going to get beat. Just inexperienced in running zones out in those areas with a very good wide receiver. The 49ers personnel groupings is going to be important. Uh, taking advantage of the Seahawks, wanting to stay in three tight ends and really move the football, wanting to be dedicated to the run game early on in series. They're able to stop the run game on first and second down and create third and longs. Four yards are going to get off the field a lot. I predicted in my game preview show, the four Yards will hold the Seahawks under 40% on third down. I think that's going to ring true. I think that the defense overall is going to play a very good football game, and I'm I'm excited to watch Charvarius Ward matchup one-on-one out there with DK Metcalf, physicality versus physicality could be really fun to watch. So that's the game plan for the 49ers on defense. Rush four, be able to get to Geno Smith with your base, with your base defensive line getting home. Uh, only have to commit seven to the box. You can commit eight at times, uh, but when you do confuse Geno, don't let him know which, which safety is going to be in the box, if it's going to be Gibson or Hufanga. Protecting Hufanga and Gibson is important in this game as well. Leaving them over the top to help Samuel Womack uh, is going to be important. Make sure you take the pressure off the rookie. You know what Emmanuel Mosley and Charvarius Ward can do? Let them go out there and do their thing, and then let these safeties not only protect themselves by helping take away Noah Fant, who's very accomplished tight end, and also Will Disley. Those guys are going to have their hands full. Using Fred Warner and these linebackers as underneath help could be very important as well. If the 49ers employ a five-man front, they will more than likely go ahead and hit these tight ends off the line. That is something to monitor as well. But I think they'll still run the four, the base four-man front uh, with the three linebackers, especially against the three tight ends. I want to see how they handle the unbalanced line and if they move over a half-man and what what they do once Geno Smith adjusts, because Geno Smith does adjust at the line of scrimmage. But this is the 49ers game plan show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let me know about how you think the 49ers are going to attack the Seahawks on offense and defense. I'm very curious. And then if you've watched the Patreon breakdown, let me know what you thought and how that translates to the 49ers game plan. Is there an area that you want to, the 49ers to attack? I know that it didn't include a lot about Trey Lance, but Trey Lance's legs are going to be very important in this game, especially now with rain being a, a, a real possibility for this game. You're going to have to make sure you secure the football. That's what the Seahawks try to do. Uh, the Seahawks are making, hoping that you're going to make mistakes and beat yourself. If the 49ers don't make those mistakes, they have a more talented roster. They have a better team. And Kyle Shanahan schemes up offense and defense just better than the Seattle Seahawks. But you give them opportunities, the Seahawks will stay in this football game, and it could be close. We don't want that to happen, of course. You want my game prediction for the game. Go check the game game preview show out. I predict the score of the game and who's going to win. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. We're only uh, less than uh, close to 24 hours away from this game coming up. I can't believe it's going to happen tomorrow. 49ers for Seattle Seahawks. First home game for the Niners. Can they get the victory? I think they can, but they have to be able to go out there and execute the game plan. Everybody, I hope you guys have a really good Saturday. Uh, Enjoy yourselves, and I'll catch you on the next one. Stay safe, and remember the right way is always the 49ers.